Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Western Medicine Fails in Nurse's Family, an interview with nurse, mother, and wife, Ashley Marmer. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatella. Today's podcast guest is Ashley Marmer, a nurse, mother, and wife from Santa Barbara, California. Ms. Marmer, her husband, and her two children have all been diagnosed with Lyme disease. Ms. Marmer believes her children contracted Lyme disease in utero. Before suffering from Lyme disease, Ms. Marmer had lived a full life that included working full-time as a nurse, participating in athletic activities like snowboarding, and regularly attending music concerts. After contracting Lyme disease, Ms. Marmer's illness forced her to abandon her career as a nurse, and she had to stop working in general. She had to stop all of her social activities, and on occasion, she was housebound, too weak to leave her couch. At the peak of her illness, Ms. Marber fainted four times in one week. Ms. Marber's healing journey has had many, many twists and turns. Several doctors misdiagnosed her illness. She was misdiagnosed with depression, anxiety, PTSD, fibromyalgia, IBS, and IC. Finally, an internal medicine naturopathic doctor utilized an hygienics blood test to properly diagnose her with Lyme disease, Babesia, and several other tick-borne viruses and parasites. Today, Ms. Marber estimates that her healing journey has allowed her to regain about 50% of her pre-tick disease health. To date, she has pursued both traditional antibiotic treatments and then alternative treatments such as AL complex, herbal supplements, ozone therapy, CBD oils, acupuncture, and umbilical stem cell therapy. Ms. Marber has had to become an advocate for her entire family to make sure her husband and children receive proper diagnosis and treatment. She has made her family's journey public so that she can help others avoid the pain that she and her entire family has had to suffer. Ashley, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. We're so happy to have you here today, especially because you're a nurse and your experience with Lyme disease. Can you start by describing what your life was like before you first got sick? Yes, I worked as a full-time registered nurse. Um, in the hospital on a med surge floor. Um, I would frequently go out with my friends. We'd go out to dinner. We'd go dancing. I would go on trips with my family and um, often go to Lake Tahoe and go snowboarding. And I actually, at one point, was going back to school to get my bachelor's degree in nursing. And I used to work out a lot. At what point in your life did you realize something wasn't right and you were sick? I started getting stomach pains when I was 12 and that didn't really ring any bells because I did have somewhat of a traumatic childhood so it all seemed to kind of correlate to that Um, but then when I was 15 I started having fainting spells frequently and I was tired all the time and then in my 20s um, a lot of those symptoms exacerbated I was still fainting and I was tired, Um, I would get headaches, Um, and then when things really shifted is in my 30s, I had frequent sinus infections, I um, was just sick all the time, and I kept telling my doctors around me that my muscles felt like they were sick, and they just didn't really know what to do with that information. And then I just had increased fatigue, headaches, muscle pain, joint pain, And then I also uh, remembered that in 2008, I did get my very first flu shot, and I developed the flu for the very first time ever. So I was really sick after that. And from that moment on, I had a lot more uh, symptoms. Ashley, so you you were living a very healthy, happy life, working as a nurse, going back to school, having a good time with your friends. And then over time, up until your 30s, you started to get progressively worse and more and more sick. 
So how did that have an impact on, on your work life, your family life, your social life, all leading up to your eventual diagnosis with Lyme disease? It was really hard because I was so used to being able to do all of these things. And then suddenly I, I had to pull back. I was, I had to stay home sick a lot and I wasn't able to work. It was really hard on my family. It was really, it was really depressing actually to not be able to do all of those things. Not to get too personal, actually, but how was your family and friends during this time? Were they supportive of you? Were they telling you just to buck up and push on? My mom was supportive and, you know, nobody really knew what was going on. And honestly, I didn't, I wasn't sharing a lot of what was going on because a lot of my doctors were telling me that um, it's because I was depressed. Um, I frequently was told, you just have too much on your plate. So I just kind of took it that I need to find a way to decrease stress, decrease my anxiety, and if I can do that, I'll feel better. But I think, you know, when, it, when they relate it to something else, when it's related to your, your childhood, they're a little more understanding. But when it actually came to being diagnosed with Lyme, I don't think anybody understood that. I think it's very hard for others to really understand the impact Lyme can have because it is known as an invisible illness and you look fine on the yeah. outside, but you feel like you're dying on the inside. So it's very hard for people to relate. And I think if maybe if you can talk a little bit about how many doctors you saw before you got diagnosed. Um, yeah, so I saw my primary care physician who did a bunch of blood tests. I mean, regular blood tests. They don't test you for Lyme in, in primary care. Um, you know, they do like a CBC and uh, they just check basic things. Nothing was seen on there. So basically, they kind of brushed me off and they tell me I'm fine. I saw a, I was seeing a psychiatrist actually during that time. And I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, PTSD. He had me on all kinds of medication. He prescribed one medication that would give me a side effect and then have to be on another prescription for that. So I was kind of going down this path of really focusing on just the depression, anxiety, and then I was having all these stomach issues. Then I saw a GI doctor and he basically told me everything was fine, that I just had too much on my plate. So I heard that again. And I also saw a neurologist and he told me that I had complicated migraines, so he couldn't prescribe me anything. So uh, if I did take anything, that it would lead to stroke. So that really led nowhere. So every doctor I saw just kind of led to a dead end and it was really frustrating. And in the back of my mind, I always thought, no, this isn't right. There's something wrong. I just don't know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on it. And I need to keep pursuing finding the right doctor to actually help fix what's wrong with me. So really, it sounds like it was twofold. There was a domino effect of taking prescription medication for uh, different things and then having side effects and taking more medication to address those side effects. And on top of that, you were getting worse and worse from the Lyme in your body, making you sicker and sicker. Yes. Now, before your diagnosis with Lyme, did you have any really severe moments that you can speak of that were memorable? Yes. So October of 2016 was probably one of the most stressful moments in my life. Um, my job was extremely stressful. I found out my dad was dying of cancer. I was in the middle of having to go um, to court to go to trial for an incident that happened to my daughter, unfortunately. 
Um, so my body was under the most severe stress I've ever been under. And that's when everything started changing for me. My body was just shutting down. I had fainted four times in one week. I was having severe pain in my back and then in my ribs. And the pain was so intense that I would faint. And my brain fog was worse. My fatigue was worse. I remember driving home from work and just feeling like I, I just can't do this anymore. My eyes would burn because I was so tired and they would water. And I was like, something is not right. It just, it, it honestly really scared me because I didn't know what was going on. You had multiple stressors going on in your life. You were working as a registered nurse, probably working late hours, night shifts, double shifts. Your father was ill. You were dealing with some legal issues with your daughter. Yes, definitely. I think that that had a huge impact on my immune system, which was already fragile. I think it just completely lowered, you know, any antibodies, anything my body naturally produced just lowered to the point where it allowed the Lyme to fully come out and rear its ugly head and take over. You worked with a lot of peers and colleagues and doctors that have experienced a lot of different unique patients. Throughout your illness, had, did any of your peers, your doctors, your friends ever think that you could possibly have Lyme disease based on what you were experiencing? No, and unfortunately, a lot of Western medicine doctors don't believe Lyme exists here in California, which has been disconcerting and frustrating. And I even worked in a department right before I got sick, pediatric rheumatology. Looking back now, I see all these kids that had juvenile arthritis, and now I, I wish I knew then what I know now. You know, I wonder how prevalent it actually is here, but unfortunately not. Nobody came to that conclusion, and when I went back to tell them, they were really surprised. Like my physical therapist, who I had just been working with to deal with all my muscle pain, when I went back to tell him, you know, actually, I had Lyme disease. That's what was going on. And his response was, really? I never would have guessed that. So they just, they're not even thinking that. They're not even considering that as an option. You know, we're here in Long Island, New York, where ticks are everywhere. And it's a major problem here, Lyme disease. And I can tell you from my personal experience and people I, that I've known that have been diagnosed with Lyme, it's pretty similar. Lyme is a great imitator, and it does imitate many, many other diseases. Uh, as you noted, you got misdiagnosed with several other things. After October of 2016, you were really, really, really sick. Can you walk us through what happened from that point up until your diagnosis of Lyme disease? Yes. Yeah, so I was feeling like, you know, Western medicine was failing me. I'm on all these prescriptions, and they were just making me feel so sick. So I decided to go another route. I had just finished reading the book called Clean by Alex Junger, I think is his name. And basically, it's talking about how, you know, there's so many pollutants in our food, our water, our air, our clothing. Really clean up your diet and, you know, you'll feel better. And so that led me to the path of seeing a naturopathic doctor. And... Um, that's where I discovered, that's when I actually got a diagnosis of Lyme. One of the very last things he did was give me a Lyme test. And that's how I found out that it was positive. That led me to a Lyme literate doctor here in Santa Barbara, which I'm so thankful for because, you know, like I said, I, in the medical community here, 
Western medicine, as a nurse, I wasn't really taught about Lyme. All I knew from my studies is that you get bit by a tick, you have a bullseye rash, you have arthritis and Bell's palsy, and then you take antibiotics and you're better. And that's, that was my perception of Lyme. So I had no idea that it was so much more than that. So then I started seeing my Lyme literate doctor here in Santa Barbara. And actually, sorry to go back, the naturopathic doctor is the one that prescribed doxycycline for me. So I started taking that right before I started seeing my Lyme literate doctor. And that was really hard because the antibiotics were really hard on my system. I was so full of bacteria that my body really was actually worse than it was before. So when I took the doxy, all my symptoms exacerbated. Everything was worse. I felt like I had the worst flu ever combined with the worst hangover ever. I was almost bedridden. I couldn't get up in the morning. It was really hard to get dressed. I didn't go out. I really just kind of laid on the couch feeling so sick and toxic. My body was just so full of toxins. And I didn't know about cleansing and I didn't know about binders yet. I just, I didn't know anything. So I really had to educate myself about what this disease is, what the treatments are, how long it takes to get better. And I just went into research mode and I studied as much as I possibly could to learn everything I could. I think I joined every single Lyme group <laughs> there is on Facebook. And that really helped me so much. Ashley, I think you brought up Two good points, uh, well, many good points. The first one being that you thought, well, I'll have a bullseye rash, um, I'll have Bell's palsy, and then I'll get antibiotics, and then I'll feel better. And the first observation mm -hmm. I have is that's a, very, that's a very common misconception that you're going to definitively get a bullseye rash if you have Lyme disease from a tick. And that's not true. We know that uh, not everybody gets a bullseye rash. In fact, there are many people that don't. Um, I know myself, I never had the bullseye rash from Lyme disease. And the second misconception is that you're going to feel better as soon as you receive antibiotics. Once that, that course is over, you're going to feel better. And in the words of my former infectious disease doctor, according to the CDC, you are now cured from Lyme disease. But we know that many people don't get cured and they suffer from chronic Lyme. And the odds are the longer you go undiagnosed with Lyme disease, the, 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 the higher the likelihood that you're going to have chronic Lyme. And in your case, you went over 25 years being misdiagnosed before you got a proper diagnosis. And because of that, do you believe that that led, led you to be in the position you're in now where it's such a, a major fight to recover your health at this point? Yes, definitely. I think that bacteria and all the co-infections have had all this time to, you know, really take over my system. And what I've also learned is my body is not good at pushing any toxins out. So even after I'm killing it, it's still sitting in my body. And, you know, it's causing me to have, you know, lots of Herxheimer reactions. And I'm, you know, in an acidic state, and I just feel horrible. And, you know, thankfully, I haven't, towards the end, you know, I've been in treatment for two years now, I don't experience as many Herxheimers. But I will say I made the mistake of running out of one of my medicines, my ABART, and I had to, uh, you know, I was off of it just maybe for a week or two and I restarted it and I had to go through the Herxes again. And that was just, it's torturous. It's really horrible. It's hard to function when you feel like that. 
Can you describe for our listeners, for those that don't know, what a Herxheimer reaction is? Yes. So when you take either antibiotics or an herbal supplement, it kills off the Lyme bacteria, um, it can, you know, or Bartonella or Babesia, excuse me. Um, and as that virus and the bacteria, as it dies off, it cre- uh, puts your body in an acidic state. And when you feel that way, you have brain fog, you have increased muscular pain, um, increased fatigue. And what I've learned is that's so important that when you feel that way, there are things you can do to put your pH level down. And just taking things like Alka-Seltzer Gold or, you know, even jumping on a trampoline to help dump your lymph. Um, infrared sauna like there's so many things you can do to actually get out of that state because if you herx too much it's actually dangerous it's really hard on your body and if you it's on an extreme if you herx way too much you can actually die from that so it's really important to find balance in in your treatment and your care so ultimately this herxmer reaction is a kill off of the lyme bacteria from either you know herbal treatment or antibiotics and these, these dead bacteria now cause a toxic environment in your body and cause you to feel even worse. Is that right? Yes. Now, I'm very curious to hear your opinion, Ashley, on since you have a background in, in medicine and in nursing, what your thought is about Lyme patients who received treatment, uh, either antibiotic or alternative treatments, and donating blood? Yes, definitely. I, I you know, the short version of the answer is no, Lyme patients would should absolutely not donate blood. And the reason why is because when you donate blood and they screen it, they're only screening for very specific things. They're screening it for HIV, hepatitis, um, you know, some of those more common serious infections. They're not screening it for Lyme or Bartonella or Babesia. And so when we donate blood, even after we've been in treatment, we still have all of those things in our blood. So we can potentially transfer that to somebody else, you know, and, and you don't know who's getting that blood. If they're immunocompromised and they get blood that has Lyme or any of those co-infections, they can become really sick. So I personally think it's very dangerous and not a good idea to donate blood. So for the past two years, you've been on treatment for Lyme disease, and you've been receiving antibiotics in combination with some herbal therapies to treat the Lyme and other tick diseases that have been put into you from that tick. Where are you today? Are you still being treated with antibiotics? Yes. So I took doxycycline for about a year, year and a half. And then um, what happened, excuse me, I developed C. diff. So I had to go off of all prescription medications I was taking um, because they were wreaking havoc on my stomach and my intestines. Um, And right before I found out I had C. diff, I actually flew to the East Coast uh, to New Hampshire to get stem cells. Um, So I had three cc's of umbilical cord stem cells. And then from there, I went on all herbal treatments. So I take um, something called AL complex, which is just as effective in killing off the Lyme, but it's not going to cause um, my C. diff to come back. So I, and then I take, you know, I take a lot of supplements to help support my immune system and help heal my stomach. That's one point I really wanted to make is that 
it's really important to heal your gut through all of this because your gut is directly correlated to your brain and a lot of your serotonin is made in your gut and when you have Lyme you tend to have really low serotonin which can contribute to depression so that's one thing that's really super important um, to address uh, if you're suffering from Lyme and you have any stomach issues so you know eating a really clean diet that's a huge thing that I've been doing throughout this entire journey um, I've been uh, you know doing a ketogenic diet and um, you know probiotics and really focusing on healing every aspect that this disease has affected in my life um, another thing that I'm doing is um, ozone. Um, I have what's called interstitial cystitis, which is that you have a protective barrier in your bladder and somehow uh, your body attacks itself, which when they say that, it's probably Lyme, um, has broken down that barrier and so my nerves are exposed. So I have frequent painful uh, urination. So I'm working with my Lyme doctor and we're doing ozone every week to try and help heal that part of my body. So the other thing I do currently right now is I'm doing physical therapy to help heal and rebuild my muscles and my nerves. I get a lot of neck and shoulder pain. And then we're also addressing my fatigue. So really trying to heal my adrenals, my thyroid, all of that. One thing that really stuck out with what you just described is your stem cell experience with the umbilical cord. Can you give us a little bit, a little bit of background? Yes. Yeah, so I had mentioned earlier, I joined like every Facebook group because I wanted to know everything about Lyme. So one of the main people that um, is really good about promoting information and even trying things herself is Nikki Baroni. She's an amazing person. I have so much respect for her. Um, she is the one that was putting information out about stem cells. Um, she went, she lives in Louisiana and she actually also flew to New Hampshire and went and had stem cells. And she also has neurological Lyme and she had an amazing outcome. And the more research I did, the more information I gathered, it seemed like that was going to be my next that I could not afford to go to Germany and I couldn't afford to go to Infusio in Beverly Hills. So I felt like the quality of stem cells and the way they did it was just as sufficient. Um, I think actually it's the same stem cells they use in Germany. So I decided that I'm going to fly across the country and go and get this treatment that's experimental. And right before I left is when I found out I had C. diff. So I was really, really sick. And then on top of that, I have developed even worse anxiety than I've ever had. I just don't tolerate stress very well anymore. I had a full-blown panic attack the night before I was about to fly out and I almost canceled everything. And I called my sister, Christy, and I said, I can't do this. I'm too sick. I'm I'm not going to make it. And she really talked me off the ledge. She was like, Ashley, you are strong. You can do this. I believe in you. And I just, I needed that pep talk and I got my act together. I went to bed. I got up at four in the morning. My husband drove me to the airport. I got on, I made sure I had a seat next to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I made sure I was comfortable. Um, I made it. I did it. So that was, that was the 
biggest hardest part at first um, was just getting there. I was so scared. Um, thankfully, my mom came out and um, was with me and helped take care of me while I was there. The doctor was so nice and, and explained everything to me. And I have to say, on the East Coast, their understanding of Lyme is so different than it is in California. I get so much pushback over here. People don't know what it is. They don't really believe in it. They don't, you know, they just are not as educated. I was greeted in such a kind welcoming way with so much understanding and compassion it just really felt great to be treated like that um so then while I was there I um the first day I did the Novothor bed which is kind of like infrared but it just goes on a deeper level to your muscles and it really um that in combination with stem cells is supposed to help the stem cells get deeper into the cells so I did the Novothor bed every day. The second day I did IV mannitol, which helps open up the blood-brain barrier so that the stem cells go deep into your central nervous system. And I tolerated that fine. My concern with that was that I already have really low blood pressure and that drops your blood pressure, but it ended up being fine. I didn't have any side effects from it. And then I also did IV laser while I was there. Um, each color represents something different. Um, it helps with depression. It helps with fatigue. And I did notice it did make me feel better while I was there. Unfortunately, it didn't last after I left. So I was there for a whole week and great experience. I flew home and I think that was the first time that my husband had a hard time with my Lyme disease because I think he was expecting I was going to be better. I was going to come home and we were going to get back to our lives and everything was going to be great. But unfortunately, what happened is I just was herxing nonstop for actually a couple months afterwards. I was actually worse when I got home. I was so sick and tired and in pain and cranky and wasn't sleeping well. My neck pain was worse. My anxiety was worse. Everything just kind of was exacerbated. And I was also thinking, well, maybe I don't have to be on Lyme medication anymore. Well, I was wrong about that, too. I still saw my Lyme literate doctor here in Santa Barbara frequently, and I had to go, you know, I couldn't take prescription medication anymore because of the CETA. So I started taking all of the herbal um, medication, and we just had to constantly change around my medication because my body would just go you know, I'd get worse and then I get a little bit better and I get worse and I get a little better. And I really had to focus on detox. That was huge for me because I, the stem cells were just getting into every nook and cranny of my body and killing off so many things that I, I really had to, you know, I, I joke that I became my own patient. I really had to learn what that meant to take care of myself. And I, if I can't take care of myself, I can't take care of anybody else. So I really had to kind of take that time and just heal. And it was, that was hard. That was one of the hardest times I think in this journey was going through that. But I would do it again in a heartbeat because I feel that stem cells are one of the keys to, you know, eating this. I don't think that it's going to completely kill it off, but I think it, once I stopped herxing and once, you know, I was really on <clears throat> track with all my medicine and detoxing, there were finally, a, a, there was a breakthrough where I felt like myself. And that's the best feeling ever because you get so lost in this disease. 
that you forget who you are, or, you know, what you're fighting for. And you finally have a moment where you feel good. And it's like, okay, I can do this. And I'm going to keep going. Do you attribute that that state of feeling I'm, I, I am myself again to the stem cell therapy? And without that, that, ne- that would have never occurred? I think it helped jump me into a level of healing that I, I don't think I would have obtained without doing the stem cells. I definitely think it helped me. I see that you have tried CBD oil. Can you speak about if it has helped you? Yes. Yeah, so I've actually tried CBD in probably every form that you can get your hands on. I've tried the tincture. I've tried topical. I've tried the vape pen. I've tried gummies. I've done it all. Um, and I have to say, you know, that you find CBD everywhere. Now you can even find it in CVS. I think you just want to be careful with the quality of CBD that you're getting. I don't think they're all the same. I think some are definitely better than others. I have a friend that's also a nurse, and she makes her own um, CBD ointment. And that is great for when my neck hurts really bad. I put that on, and it really helps a lot. And I actually have a vape pen that has CBD in it that I take every single night before I go to bed. That helps me sleep. It helps minimize my pain so I'm not tossing and turning in pain all night. I really think CBD is healing. It's anti-inflammatory. I think there's so many things we don't even know about it yet that it's going to help us with. So I think it's it's a definite thing you want to have in your bag of tricks (laughs) to help combat a lot of this stuff. Actually, what percentage would you say you're back to your old self? I would say I'm about 50%. I have learned that none of this is a quick fix. Like the body really takes time to heal. So I've learned to accept that. Now, have you been able to return to work as a nurse? So I just recently, within the last two months, have um, been able to go back to work. Unfortunately, I'm not able to work as a nurse just yet because it requires so much skill physically, mentally, and emotionally that I just don't have yet. So I am working part-time and it's a really low stress job where, you know, even if I'm not feeling great, I can still kind of function. And this is the first time since I was a teenager that I'm working (laughs) part-time, which is new to me. And I've had to embrace that and be okay with, you know, where I'm at in my life and that I'm just not quite there yet. But it is encouraging that I'm even able to do that because, you know, six months ago, there's, you know, I was, you know, barely getting off the couch, barely able to get dressed. I didn't wear makeup. I didn't go out. So it's really nice to be in a place where I can get up and I can get ready and, you know, drive in a car and not feel like I'm dying. So, you know, even though I'm not exactly where I want to be, I'm hopeful that I will get back to that place and I will work as a nurse again. Ashley, have you been able to return to having a social life and an improved family life? Um, I am a little bit. I'm not where I was before I started treatment, but I am able to go to a concert once in a while because I'm, I'm a music lover and that's like something that is so important to me to have that back in my life. So I, I am able to go, just not quite as much as I'd like to. And I am able to go on little trips again. So that's definitely improved. You know, I have to take time to recover when I go on a trip. Driving is hard on my body. Traveling is hard on my body. I just have to remember that, you know, when I'm out, 
and, you know, family wants to do a bunch of stuff that, you know, I have to really communicate, you know, this is what I can do and this is what I can't do and I need to rest afterwards. And I just really have to take that time for myself. With my kids, I wish I had a little more energy. It's really hard because when they're home from school is when I'm the most tired. But, you know, we just, we find ways to spend time together and read and, you know, we don't get to do everything we want to do, but, you know, it's that I'm also hopeful about. I feel like I will get back to a place where I can play with them more. And on the note of your, your husband and your children, Ashley, I know your husband has Lyme as well as your children. Do you believe that your children receive that Lyme from you through birth? Yes, definitely. I watched the documentary Under Our Skin, and that was so educational for me and so helpful. It really helped me see, you know, exactly what Lyme looks like and how it can transfer to children. I, you know, like I said, I didn't know very much about it in the beginning, and I just, you know, I didn't have all the information, and I was really mostly concerned about my daughter. Um, She's now eight. She exhibited a lot of symptoms. She had headaches. She had joint pain, stomach pain. Her memory was off. She had some behavioral stuff, and I was very concerned about her, and, you know, I know some parents hesitate to get their children tested because they don't want to know. But in my perspective, you know, if you let it go on longer, it could do more damage and it could get to a point where it's irreversible. So I think it's better to face your fear, get them tested and, you know, have them see a Lyme literate doctor and get them on a path of healing. And I mean, the good thing about children is, They tend to heal quicker than adults do. They tend to push the bacteria out quicker. You know, their little bodies are very resilient. And um, my children have been in treatment for a year and a half, and they are doing really well. They're responding really well to the treatment. Now, my daughter, we're not, you know, she, I think she had it a lot worse than my little boy did. My little boy is um, now four. So there's still some stuff we're definitely working on. But, you know, as she gets older and the more research they do and the more treatments that are available, I'm betting that things are going to be a little bit better for her. You know, I'm hoping she can also get stem cells as well. So, um, but yeah, it's been really hard having our entire family having Lyme. And I um, even had my oldest son tested as well. And his Lyme test also showed exposure to Lyme. So I feel that they definitely contracted it in utero while I was pregnant with them. I have an article up right here from the National Institute of Health that states the Lyme bacteria, uh, which are known as Borrelia spirochetes, were found in human vaginal and seminal secretion. So there is definitely evidence pointing to the fact that Lyme disease can be sexually transmitted and also potentially can be spread to your children via birth. So I think it's important for everybody to be aware of the possibility and to consider it when they have their children to get them tested, just to try to get at it as quick as possible if they are born with Lyme disease. What advice would you give to others who are in the throes of Lyme disease? Um, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned is that, yes, you are fighting for your life, and yes, your body is at war, but fighting against the Lyme is something I had to stop doing. I had to surrender to it. I had to accept it, that this is who I am. This is where I'm at in my life. 
and really focus on holistic healing. I think Lyme is more than just killing the bacteria. I think that, you know, there's some emotional healing that needs to happen and, you know, finding peace in your life. And, you know, I know there's a lot of cheesy sayings about, you know, you know, being thankful and all of that, but I really wholeheartedly believe that, you know, through all the hard stuff, if you can find the things that you're appreciative of and that you're, you're thankful for, it definitely gets you through the hard parts of it. Um, I also think having a Lyme group is really important. I started one here in Santa Barbara because I just noticed there was a lack of support here. And now I have 50 people in my little Lyme group here in Santa Barbara and we meet once a month and just having somebody else that understands what you're going through really, really help, you know, with the depression and the loneliness and the isolation. So just finding somebody to talk to who understands, I think is really helpful. Now on the flip side, what advice would you give to others who are not sick? It's really important to, first of all, you know, if you're hiking or you're out in nature, be really aware of your surroundings, be aware of ticks and doing tick checks, not just on you, but you know, your animals, and then how to properly remove a tick without exerting the bacteria into your body if you pull them out the wrong way. And then if you are bit by a tick, whether it leaves a bullseye rash or not, prophylactic treatment with antibiotics, I think is really important. You know, if you can catch it in that really early stage, you might actually cure it, you know, because once it's in your system for a certain amount of time, it does go chronic. And then it's just really hard to it from there. And another thing is not just going to your regular primary care physician, but finding a Lyme literate doctor, I think is also crucial in that they're going to have the most understanding, um, you know, that they're specializing in Lyme. So you want to go to somebody that really understands proper treatment. Thank you for joining us today and sharing your story with all of our listeners. We know that your experiences will definitely help countless people that are listening to this podcast. And we can't thank you enough for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with Ashley Marmer. To our listeners, we have, as always, a call to action. First, if you would like to learn more about Ashley Marmer and her family's tick disease journey, please visit her Instagram at Ashley Marmer or email her at ashleymarmer at hotmail.com or you can visit her Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash ashley.marber, A-S-H-L-E-Y dot M-A-R-B-A. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast interview with Ashley Marber, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you will see at the bottom of the post. Third, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates for the Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes or on our website. This is a new effort on our part, and we could really use your help so that we can create a podcast that you would like to listen to. We make it a point to read every single one of your reviews. Thank you for listening.